Well, hello, EKN Nation. Welcome to a new edition of our EKN Debrief. It is episode number 113, Tuesday, June the 13th, 2023. And of course, the event that we are will be uh, discussing here today, the 2023 Supercarts USA Pro Tour Spring Nationals held just this past weekend at Utah Motorsports Campus. My name is Rob Howden. I was trackside throughout the weekend. Uh, of course, David Cole joining me here as well throughout the, this edition of the Debrief. Today's show presented by Comic Card Sales. History, success, family. These are the three words that describe Comet Card Sales, one of the longest tenured carding businesses in the United States. The family-owned operation is located just outside of Indianapolis and has provided carts, parts, and services for thousands of racers in the near six decades of business. Their online store features everything you need, and they are continually adding new parts to their product line. Make sure you head to CometCardSales.com or call them at 317 462 3413 to be part of the Comet Cart Sales family today. All right, D. Cole, episode 113, uh, the midway point of the Supercarts USA Pro Tour for 2023, the Spring Nationals out at uh, Grantsville, Utah. Again, the event ha happening on June 9th, 10th, and 11th. All told, pretty darn good uh, weekend of racing. No red flags, although the racing was a little, little chaotic at best. Yeah, I didn't get to watch any of the action. I was looking at results here and there, you know, checking out social media posts, seeing live timing here and there. So it's hard to grasp the the atmosphere, the feel of the weekend. But weather is obviously an issue anytime you go to uh, yeah. Salt Lake City and Utah. So, yeah, it, it seems like it wasn't typical Utah weather until the end when the windstorm came through. This is it, you know, to be honest, you know, every time I get up in the morning, you have a look at the, uh, you know, the forecast on your phone and then, Second half of the day, 30, 40% chance of rain. Really, it was warm pretty much for the entire weekend, mid 70s. Um, Saturday was fine. They were, you know, they were thinking about rain, but then it didn't come. We did get some light rain on Sunday afternoon, right at the end of the KA100 uh, senior main event, which made things interesting. It also made Mini Swift, which we'll talk about later on a wet track, very interesting as well. Uh, really, the crazy stuff didn't come until we were done. We were literally kind of getting ready to fire things up at the end of the day to do the podium presentations. And all of a sudden, man, major high winds coming in, rain, but not heavy, but it was raining. Uh, to be honest, a lot of the teams, David, needed to kind of wait a couple hours for the wind to die down before they were able to pull their tents down. So it made for a really long night for those in the paddock. Yeah, that again, that's something you expected. We've had that before. I mean, even dating back to the early years at the what was then Miller Moore Sports Park. I yeah. remember you know, guys holding down tents. If it wasn't <laughs> held down by cement, it was gone. That's and it. that was that was one of the major crazy things. So, you know, we've learned over the you know near, uh, you know, what, almost 15 years now, over 15 years of that. Of that. Yeah. So uh, so it's yeah, thankfully, you know, no, no injuries involving that. So that's good. Um, but yeah, halfway point of the championship. So really, this was a key weekend for a number of the categories because it defined, you know, whether you're going to be a champion or in contention for a championship or, or just another driver in the field when it comes to the summer nationals later this year. So um excited to kind of go through each class and kind of get a viewpoint and hear what happened and who, who, who those drivers were, because, you know, number wise, we are almost there to the 200 mark. So almost got to the 200 mark after uh, we talked about it at the outlap before the race weekend. Yeah. And D one of the smaller, uh, 
uh, pro tour races in the history of the program. Well, once it kind of got over that 200 mark at 191 total, I will say this, you mentioned the way the kind of excitement was for the weekend mid uh, for the weekend. Yeah. Midway through the championship rounds three and four. So everybody comes in a little different, right? If you were good at round one and two in Orlando, you're looking to maintain, right? Keep that momentum going. Keep that consistency. If you're tough, you were looking for a rebound. We had some drivers get really big rebound weekends and others, of course, uh, we're, we're kind of trying to dive in there and kind of, kind of see if they could other others, pardon me, that were good, but then didn't have big weekends. And that has kind of leveled things out. So the championships are going to be interesting. Let's go by the numbers as we do at the start of all of our, our debriefs here, as, as David had said. Uh, all told, from the winter Nats to the spring Nats, a, a pretty significant drop of about 35 drivers, so over 10% drop. Um, three of the categories actually going up, and then uh, a couple of them actually going down as well, six of them going down. Um, the, the key thing, uh, first and foremost, in our outlap, David, we talked about KA 100 Master only having uh, just the one class. I mean, I mean the the two drivers they ended up uh, just canceling the class. So uh, with the two guys, are like, we're not going to do it. Master Shifter uh, from nine at the Winter Nats down to five, so it went down a couple. Uh, the big the big drop. So Mini Swift and X30 Senior. Uh, Mini Swift's going from forty to a massive group at. Uh, uh, at Orlando, uh, maybe that Florida bump, East Coast bump, whatever you want to call it, 29 in total for the Spring Nats. And, of course, X30 Senior, 45 down to 31. 31 still a good field. But, again, you know, we had a lot of, I had a lot of conversations in the, in the paddock, David, talking to these guys because, as we know, the, you know, the 125cc liquid-cooled single-speed categories, such as the X30 Senior and Junior, for that matter, really not supported that well right now on the West Coast. Well, I mean, if you look at numbers wise, it was the third biggest class. So in a sense, it's still, still yeah. it's still the category. It's still yeah. the one to be in, in terms of senior category, because, again, you got to factor in K100, both junior and senior has been the catch all class where you have regional guys coming up to race it who don't not necessarily race big national events all year long. Great. And so that's, and, but then you also have a lot of national guys in there as well. So that's obviously going to be the bigger category. We've seen it over the last couple of years. That's going to be, that's where the numbers are. So yeah, the, there's the Florida bump. I think that, that helped, you know, with mini and X30 senior, you know, why they were in the forties. And unfortunately, you know, we did see a lot of West coasters in the mini swift category. So, I mean, it did have some, some of that, but I think overall in terms of, of numbers, I think the East Coast is just so much larger now in terms of demographics. I mean, there's yeah. so many racers are over here, um, which is surprising because it was a complete opposite, you know, over you know decade ago, where yeah. the West Coast just had so many racers. Um, and and you, the the great way to tell by that is looking at the regional numbers. You know, there's not a lot of regional racers right now, um, in at at all programs yeah. on the West coast. So that that's kind of the struggle or they're just staying home. And that could, that's also part of the, the, the decline in the mini swift category, I think is just drivers are staying home. They didn't want to make that trek from the East coast to Utah. It's yeah. just, some people don't want to do that. And you, you know, you're talking about in California right now, and we had a lot of discussions and it, it's a topic and a podcast in and of itself. And that's talking about the fact that Southern California does not have a marquee track anymore. Everybody's kind of waiting on K1. Cal speed is gone. They're racing at, uh, you know, legendary tracks like an, like a, an Adams, but Adams isn't the same kind of facility as a Cal speed. So that's obviously one but of the big issues right now. If not, not, that's probably not really the issue is that they don't want to travel. That's what it boils down to. 
I mean, when you're look when you're looking at a traveling series, you are trying to uh, attract yourself to people who want to travel. I mean, yeah, that's but Dave, essentially. But, but David, just like you said, like, I'm talking to team owners, driver pe- people just aren't racing right now. There are people that are there; they're just not racing even regionally right now. So if you're not racing yeah, regionally they, enough, but they, they are club. They are club. I mean, club numbers seem to be doing well. You got Tri C at Apex. You got you know people at at you know there's there's I. I see it on social media. There's people at the racetracks in California. They're just not traveling anymore. Yeah, again, that's a club guy. That's not a regional guy, yeah. right? That's, well, that's kind of the issue. Right. So regional people need to, you know, regional promoters need to start attracting these club guys to come travel. You don't have to stay home. Agreed. But in turn, we're talking about a different demographic of people who they just want to go out for that one day and then and not go anymore. That's so it. It's, it's it, it. There's a lot of different factors into, into why these numbers go the way they go, and that's one thing we always have to keep reminding ourselves. It's not just one thing. There's a many, many different factors into why the numbers are the way they are. Bottom line was 191 entries in total. Supercars USA. Obviously, we'll see that thing rise back to well over 200 when they head to the Summer Nationals at Newcastle in July to cap off this year's Pro Tour. We will cap off this initial segment here of the. Uh, debrief episode number 113. We're taking a deep dive into the Supercarts USA Spring Nats in Utah. When we get back, we'll have the Paddock Pass. In karting, it's important to be supported by the right people. With over 40 years of experience in the sport, Trinity Karting Group has everything you need to make your program successful. We do it all, and we do it right. Trackside support and arrive and drive programs at many of karting's biggest East Coast events, full product sales and service, and professional coaching from our experienced staff. Trinity Karting Group is a full-service operation based at the Motorsports Country Club of Cincinnati, which gives us access to our custom-designed driver training facility. This allows us to offer private one-on-one coaching to take you to the next level. From arrive and drive and coaching programs to the parts you need, let Trinity Karting Group provide you with customer service and a racing experience second to none. Trinity Karting Group is an official Kart Republic race team providing full trackside support at all the major USA karting events, including the Scusa Pro Tour, United States Pro Kart Series, Scusa Super Nationals 25, and other events throughout the 2022 season. TKG has in stock Kart Republic, IAMI, MG Novinko tires, and more products for those in Ohio and the Midwest region. Trinity Karting Group has a long history of the sport, a winning pedigree, and we're dedicated to driver development. We take pride in our professional approach and our positive attitude. Let us build a custom race program for you. Give us a call at 513-421-4463 or check us out online at trinitycardinggroup.com. For over 35 years, George Barks has been deeply connected to shifter kart racing in the U.S. And he's been dedicated to one of the most iconic brands in the sport, TM. For over three decades, George Barks TM Racing USA has been supplying engine builders and cart shops with the TM product line as a trusted importer and distributor. Current customers include Darcy DeCoste Racing, Ron White Mirage Motorsports, and Two Wild Karting. Dealer inquiries are invited. The KZ and OKN class are enjoying excitement and growth this year, and TM Racing USA has all the available TM engines in stock. You can count on TM Racing USA for competitive prices and superior customer service. George has developed his stellar reputation of expertise and professionalism through his 30 plus years in the sport. Here's George to tell you in his own words. I'm George Barks. 
For over 30 years, I've been proud to represent the TM Racing brand here in the United States. I know the product line inside and out, and we always have products in stock. I'd love to get the opportunity to add you to our network. From complete engine packages to each and every part in the motor, George Bark's TM Racing USA is the go-to source for TM products. Connect with George via email. It's Barks TM Racing at AOL.com or call 310-714-6907. OpenFender.com is a way for racers like you to raise money to reach your racing goals. I'm founder Mason Filippi of the world's first motorsports funding platform. As a racer, I know that there's a lot we do behind the scenes before hitting the track. Driving fast, winning races comes after a lot of prep, practice, and let's face it, a lot of money. The good news is that fans and sponsors want you to win. They want to help you and be part of your team. That's why I created OpenFender.com, to get these supporters funding your dreams and getting you across the finish line. In a few minutes, you can set up a profile, share it on your socials, and encourage fans and sponsors to boost your racing. Racers using OpenFender are averaging over $1,000 per campaign. This is money that's buying them parts, paying fees, and getting them to the next level. Join OpenFender now and start funding your performance. Welcome back to a new edition of the EKN Debrief, episode number 113. It is June the 13th, 2023. Rob Howden here alongside David Cole as we uh, review the Supercarts USA Spring Nationals, rounds three and four of the Pro Tour. Time to jump now into the Paddock Pass where we talk about some of the stuff happening uh, away from essentially the racetrack itself. Uh, this Paddock Pass brought to you by Margay Racing. Are you interested in renting a cart at one of the biggest karting events in 2023? Do you want to be part of the fastest growing series in the sport? Check out Margay Racing's Spec Ignite class and their Arrive and Drive packages. Nothing matches the affordability and competitive level of the Ignite program. It's just one set of tires, national-level caliber drivers, where the best driver wins over the best equipment. Bring your safety gear and Margay will take care of the rest. The remaining 2023 Ignite majors include the USAC Karting Elkhart Riverwalk Grand Prix in August and the Rock Island Grand Prix on Labor Day weekend. And there are five Ignite Challenge Series running around the country this season. For more information, please visit IgniteCarding.com today. Get off the couch and into a race seat in 2023. All right, David, I'll uh, keep our kind of focus on the pro categories. One of the big paddock pass uh, ideas or the concepts or, or storylines was essentially for the first time since Scusa kind of got away from the Honda, moving into the IME 175, obviously all KZ. Uh, power plants for the pro shifter category that uh, IME uh, 175 SSE no longer legal for the pro category it is legal for the master shifter class but we had nothing but KZs in the 19 drivers we had in the category this weekend yeah an interesting turn in the tide for Supercarts USA racing obviously the SSE engine was brought in by Supercarts USA and IAMI and unfortunately it's uh it's been relegated from the uh from the pro category it's still pr promoted in the master class and at the regional level but uh you know it's something we've talked about you know it was it was eventually going to go away um you know much of the talk was that you know the competitors of themselves would 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 let it go away but you know Su scusa had to uh, uh kind of put in uh 
just the way the dynamics of everything that happened again, I wasn't at Orlando. I didn't see what happened, but there's a lot of, you know, a lot of interesting things revolving the pro shifter category. Yeah, all the, all the, all the, all the talk, all the talk of a, you know, maybe some, some technical changes uh, in terms of the rule set for building the, the 175. You know, some stuff was opened up a little bit. Uh, and obviously teams weren't real happy with the, you know, the domination of Musgrave at Orlando. Um, and there was some moves by people in the paddock of, Hey, listen, you know, we need to be running on the same playing field. And although KZ is a multi-manufacturer platform, they do have to all build their engines to the same spec, which is kind of interesting because we've seen TM be a power, you know, kind of the powerhouse in the category over the last couple of years, uh, in KZ. And then you have a look at, again, obviously Billy Musgrave, the driver on the, on the, uh, 175 in Orlando, he makes the move to a TM, uh, working, uh, with SRP uh, engines uh, to kind of get him into that program. And again, to be honest, he'll tell you Musgrave was learning that engine and what it needed. And he's just got to get a better feel for how to drive that engine, working with uh, Amersonata as well at, at um, SRP. But the big story in terms of the fact that it wasn't the, that the TMs weren't able to win at, uh, at, um, at Orlando because of the SSE and Musgrave being a rock star there on the factory cart, David, I'll tell you this weekend here, the big story was the new generation IME KZ Screamer power plant for the guys from GFC and Sweet Tech. That was the dominant power plant all weekend long. Yeah, again, it's it's an engine that's been a part of, you know, KZ racing. We've seen the IME, even Musgrave ran IME uh, KZ at Supernats, you know, or, or, or one other event. I can't quite remember where, but, you know, again, it's it's kind of been there. Um, but you know, not to kind of go into too much details, but TM has yet to win a, a pro shifter race this year at Supercard USA yeah. competition because you had Vortex winning the first one, you had IME S175 the second, and then the new IME uh, Screamer in the next two races here at uh, Utah. So yeah, no doubt, right? Which is you know, again, this is I think what they want. They want the multi-engine platform to be at a, you know, standard specs, but, uh, you know, everybody on the same level playing field. And now everybody has to go and do their homework. And I think that's kind of the way it is. You know, that's kind of what we want the pro category, you know, that's no different than what we see in F1. We see in IndyCar, you know, we want all the top teams and manufacturers working hard to be the best that they can possibly be. And that's, that's essentially what we're getting. Yeah. I'll tell you, it's going to make things interesting as we head through the remainder of the season. Still, of course, lots of racing to come uh, with Supercarts USA, KZ, the shifter card category, the USPKS, a lot of racing to come. We'll see uh, how that, uh, that multi-manufacturer uh, pro- program works for KZ. One of the big storylines coming in was, of course, the debut of a young du- a Dutch driver, Senna van Molsten. Lots of hype coming in, running with Sony Kart uh, at Sony Racing USA. Uh, he was in the middle of a fight uh, in both the Pro Shifter and the uh, uh, and the uh, X30 senior category as well. But to be honest, a kind of a rough overall weekend. He had break issues in one deal. He got together with Hannah Greenmeyer a couple of times. If you watch the broadcast there and go back to see that, they had a, an altercation, a, a bit of a face-to-face at the end of the second race as uh, uh, Van Walston and uh, kind of gave a hip check to Greenmeyer on Saturday. Then they got together and she ended off the track again over on Sunday. So there was a lot of stuff there. Lots of hype coming in, lots of speed on the Sony cart machine, but just to be honest, just a rough overall weekend for Van Walsen, Dave. Well, but again, you know, it just the fact that he was here racing in the United States, I think that's a big uh, signal to, again, the manufacturers are looking at USA again. You know, we, we saw a bit of a decline in the terms of factory support, factory drivers coming over and racing. 
But, you know, as we talked about in the outlap, there's a number of them racing in X30 senior. We have now a number of them in the K in the pros pro shifter category, you know, adding in Senna with the Sodi cart, you have Kremers and Burrell. Again, a lot of, a lot of strong drivers uh, making their way over from other countries to come compete uh, in the United States. So like that's, the that's the positive yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah exactly. I like the trend, a, right? Yeah. So that it could, you know, again, could be setting up to see some big numbers uh, in, in the future for not only the SKUs events, USPKS events, but in the, in the November events that we'll be having here at the end of the year. Indeed. Uh, working our way down with our paddock pass segment here as well. Tire management, one of the key, uh, discussion points throughout the weekend and the you know, softer Vinco reds were kind of going off a little bit. We, we had, it was interesting because you had a lot of drivers talk about the fact, David, that, that's, you know, based on what they were having on, in pra- practice on Friday, getting me even taking some more time to see if they get the cart to set up, be set up for the, the, the tires uh, later in the run. So there were guys that were kind of taking care of the tires a little bit uh, before making the attacks late in the run. Maybe I pushed too hard early. Uh, that was something that was, that was, you know, a big talking point based on, you know, the kind of abrasiveness of the surface at Utah. Well, and that was one of the things I thought we weren't going to really have a big issue on, but obviously I was incorrect on that because I was thinking weather-wise, you know, with the cooler temperatures and not, you know, as much sun, you know, beating down and, and cooking the tires. Now it's more so about, uh, you know, what you know, the tire the way it's made, I guess now, maybe, or, or like you said, track surface. I know that's something that we've talked about at Shano, but a lot of the other racetracks, you don't really have the the surface that is eating it up. So Miller, yeah, it does have a lot, obviously salt and sand. So maybe that's that, maybe that helps in the, in the tire degradation, but looking, you know, at the, uh, the pro shifter category where you see the softer, you know, Evinkos, um, you know, it's a second and a half difference from qualifying to the fast lap in the main event. So, I mean, that's a lot of drop off, you know, typically, you know, one second is, is a pretty good mark, but a second and a half, you know, I, I haven't looked to see what the K or the K senior it is. So one Oh one five in the main event to, it's not going back for me. Sorry. I'm looking no, at uh, this. Uh, you, you look there. I'll, yeah. I'll tell you about the fact that even in qualifying, the so, guy said straight up, it's going to be lap number two, like lap number three is not going to be right. faster. So it's about a second off uh, for the for the Evinco Reds from qualifying to the main event fast lap. So and then a second and a half for the yellows. So or for the uh, what is it? What color are they? The softer blues. ones. The blues. blues. Oh, blue, yeah. The blues and the reds. Yep. Yeah. So so yeah, I mean that that's a, that's a lot of drop off, and and so if you can conserve the tires, I you know it, it kind of shapes your race. You know, no different than what we see in IndyCar strategy. Yeah. You know, with the different tires there, you know that would be a whole different thing if we threw <laughs> if we threw <laughs> which tires do you want to run. That would be interesting to see. You know, if 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 you know a shifter guy would be like, you know what, I'm going to run reds. I'm going to run a harder have, tire yeah, all weekend. Yeah, this is funny. That, 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 <laughs> is, that is funny. Right, we'll talk more about that later. Yeah. <laughs> all right, folks. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Paddock Pass. When we get back after this quick break, time to dive into the race report. We'll start things off with X30 Senior and Pro Shifter. And people throw KA100 Senior in there as well. It all started in my parents' garage, MPG. That's the foundation for MPG Motorsports which grew from a small home garage into one of the top race teams and kart shops in the industry. A true passion for motorsports runs deep in the DNA of MPG, which has developed strong connections within karting. Now based at Whiteland Raceway Park in central Indiana, 
MPG Motorsports offers a wide range of opportunities through its race team while providing a full-service kart shop as an official dealer for the Kart Republic brand. The MPG Motorsports race team is led by ownership partner and karting champion Chase Jones and provides full trackside service and driver development. Be part of the MPG program at the United States Pro Kart Series, Stars Championship Series, and Route 66 Sprint Series events with arrive and drive opportunities available at those programs along with the Whiteland Club races this season. A new 3,500 square foot shop is currently under construction at the Whiteland Raceway Park in Whiteland, Indiana for the new home of MPG Motorsports. The new headquarters will provide local and regional racers with a full service race shop and they'll provide a wide range of parts and supplies to racers, including the full chassis line of the Kart Republic brand. For more information, head to mpg-motorsports.com and follow us on social media. Let MPG take your motorsports career in the direction of your choice. Two thousand nineteen marked a new era for the Cartlift brand, the company that Tim Coyan owned and operated since two thousand three, one with a long tradition of quality products for the karting industry, was purchased by Ted Fashing and his business Stockholm Karting Center in October of two thousand nineteen. Stockholm Karting Center Inc. has added the Cartlift brand to their very successful Triple T Race Products brand that has been fabricating parts for the drag racing industry for the past twenty five years. We're small enough where the owner answers the phone and every call is important to us, but we're large enough to get the job done. We pride ourselves on the quality and personal customer service that we provide on the phone or at the track. Cartlift stands, as you know, can be found at racetracks all over the country. If you race alone or if you're a parent with a cadet or junior driver, let our one-man winch lift make your race days easier. Position the hooks under the rear bumper Push the button and your cart is raised into position and you're ready to go. We have traditional cart stands, single upright storage stands, cart lift stackers for storing two carts at once, tire changers, and skid plate kits. Cart lift stands are available at the finest cart shops around the country or you can order online at cartlift.com. For more information, give us a call at 877-777-8020. That's 877-777. 777-8020. Get a cart lift and leave your crew at home. Hey there, my name is Dion Bob Moltko and I grew up karting and was fortunate enough to one day achieve my dream of becoming a professional race car driver. Looking back at my career, the most fun I had was in karting, but it was also one of the most challenging times in my career too. I often found myself craving expert guidance from someone who had been there before, that had done it and knew the right path forward, but it just wasn't available. And that's why I created Blaze Coaching. It's a platform designed to ensure every driver has the chance to learn from the best, from those who have faced the challenges and know what it takes to become a champion in our sport. Just imagine being coached by 2023 Indy 500 winner Joseph Newgarden, or Indy 500 front wheel qualifier Spencer Piggott, or how about Acura factory driver Ricky Taylor? They're all here as coaches on Blaze, ready to help you along your path. It's designed to meet you where you are. So no matter what your experience level is, where you race, what you race, or what your goals are, your Blaze coach is there to help. Are you ready to unlock your potential? Visit blaze.io backslash carding today. That's B-L-A-Y-Z-E dot I-O backslash carding.
Welcome back to episode 113 of our EKN Debrief as we're reporting on the Supercarts USA Spring Nationals, the middle point of the Pro Tour here in 2023. Rob Haddon alongside David Cole. Let's jump into the race report, which today will be presented by the Skip Barber Racing School. Are you looking for the next step in racing? Go from carts to cars with the Skip Barber Racing School. Skip Barber alumni are champions in every motorsport series, including Formula One, NASCAR, IMSA, and IndyCar. Get behind the wheel of a Skip Barber Formula 4 car featuring a 160-horsepower turbocharged engine. Our highly structured and competitive Skip Barber Formula Race Series is the perfect platform to start your racing career, so you can fulfill your dream of becoming a champion. With equalized race cars and a focus on driver development, your driving skills will determine if you end up in victory lane. Learn more about the Skip Barber Racing School at skipbarber.com or call 866-932-1949. All right, David, X30 Senior brought to you by Speed Concepts Racing. Seems like as good a place as I need to start. And the headline is British Invasion Sweep by Turney and Hodgson. Yeah, pretty much uh, the way it kind of played out at the end. But interesting, coming out of the gate, Senna Ben Walsh, we had talked about the Sony Kart driver qualifying on the pole position, kind of laying down a statement there to get things underway. Uh, Pre-final uh, kind of shook down for Joe Turney coming to the forefront. But, uh, you know, when things kind of played out for the main event, um, it was actually Ryan Norberg uh, who got to the lead early and kind of pulled away. And, and, you know, we talked, Xander and I, on the Cart Chaser broadcast, David, about the fact that Norberg's had a lot of success here. Now, you weren't with us here this weekend in Utah, but you've been there before, and you know how good Ryan Norberg just in, over the years has been at times flat dominant at UMC. Yeah, but the day didn't start out too well for him. No. Uh, I believe he qualified what in the top five and ended up falling down to the 14th position for not having his tires checked in. <laughs> and listen, like, and he, he literally he took the blame himself. He wasn't going to put it off on anybody. He said he should have got his tires. But yeah, they didn't get their ch- tires checked in on time. So a solid run ended up making a lot more work for him, for sure. Yeah, and so that that's kind of, you know, that kind of, I don't know, lit the fire under his ass a little bit maybe to, to, to kind of charge his way forward because he knew he had to. But also in turn, he had a quick machine under him as well. He did. So uh, to be able to, you know, to work himself up into the second spot by the pre-final, uh, that, you know, puts him in position to battle. So, again, it was good to see him, you know, but when you talk about tire degradation, did it hurt or help him? You know, well, he was able to get into that second <laughs> spot in the pre-final, but then he had to use up maybe more tire than he wanted to in the pre-final. That's essentially exactly what it was. He talked about the fact that, uh, you know, working his way up, getting to where he needed to be and, and it, being able to pull away. Cause it, again, it looked like it was going to be one of those Norberg days where the, everything was perfect in the, in the main, he was going to stretch away, but Joe Turney kind of dialed things in and ran him down. I think Joe had probably done a little bit better job taking care of the tires. And they kind of talked about that. Turney eventually made the move to take over the lead and, and Ryan was right there with him. It's not like Turney was able to get away but I think Ryan was probably doing everything he possibly could to hang with him. And he said he had mentioned about the fact that there was probably a couple of times that maybe he could have been maybe a little more aggressive trying to get that you know position back and putting Joe back behind him, but just, just wasn't able to kind of get it done. And in the end, Turney was able to win by uh, just a little under four tenths of a second. All told, it was, it, was, it was a pretty good race up front against, listen, two of the guys who have become really solid rivals, two of the best drivers in the, in the world right now. Without a doubt. Yeah. So you had those two finishing one, two, uh, Harley Keeble in the third spot. So it made for three different chassis brands on the podium, the Cart Republic, Cosmic and Sodi Cart. And then you had the two Burrell Arts of Diego Ramos and world champion Mateus Morgato uh, rounding out the top five. 
uh, an issue with Oliver Hodgson in the pre-final, put him at the very tail of the field. David's 31st on the grid. Um, obviously with a little little better tires, right? Because he didn't finish the pre-final. So he had some, a little, little better rubber, but uh, a fantastic drive for Oliver Hodgson as he powered all the way from the back up to sixth position. Good overall run for him. But it really, David, was kind of a precursor of things to come because out of the gate on uh, on Sunday, qualifies on the pole, wins the pre-final, and it was just like, even though you knew all of the other drivers that were there, it just really felt like it was going to be the opportunity for Hodgson to get that win. That's, you know, that screws a national level win he hasn't been able to get yet. It, it was just all told the, the whole day. He just looked like he had things in control. Yeah. Only let, uh, lost the lead for a little bit there in the, uh, in the pre-final, but ended up winning that race in the main event though. It was, it wasn't a walk away. It was, it looked no. like he got away early and it seemed to be uh, other drivers got involved in the in the fight for the win. Yeah, mid race it was it was Keeble, Hodgson, and Turney. Right, they were kind of kind of dialing things in a little bit there. Uh, essentially, what happened is it, it looked, to be honest, like it was going to probably be either Keeble or Turney. I think that was going to get the race win, but uh, they had a little bit of trouble. They were working through the S's. They kind of got together a little bit. Um, Hodgson was able to come in to take the lead as well at that point. But then that battle between Hodgson, Keeble, and Turney because they had a pretty big gap. But right behind them and ready to close up was Frankie Bossman, Diego Ramos, Alessandro Tullio. They were all there. They kind of made it six drivers in the lead pack. But the guy we were watching, because he was, I want to say, three, four, five tenths of a second faster over the second half of the race, was Norbert. Again, coming uh, aggressively, working his way forward, closing steadily. We had seven drivers in the lead pack with about five laps to go. Turney was the guy up front. Hodgson slotted himself into second as we came across the line to get the final lap done. And, and to be honest, yeah, a lot of guys, David, were low lining down into one. You know, we saw a lot of over unders because of that guy down the, you know, defending to the bottom, big over under. Hodgson really couldn't do that because he had Keeble right there, but he essentially just pushed, uh, <laughs> pushed Hodgson kind of right into the braking zone. Uh, Turney said in the in the post race interview that he had the brakes was essentially standing on the brakes, but got pushed into the corner. Hodgson was able to make the move to the inside. Keeble dropped the wheel on the outside and fell back, but really the, the you know the final corners were wild. But the 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 two front guys pulled away uh, over the final corners, going through 12 and 13, and the S's, which are essentially 14 and 15. Um, you know, Hodgson was out with the lead. Turney was kind of there, but a length back. But, you know, coming into the, the left-hand turn 13, everything kind of all hell broke loose, if you will. Uh, somehow, <laughs> somehow Norbert came out with third. But behind them, with Mossman and Ramos, you know, guys going – Detulio was four wheels off in the gravel on the inside of the corner coming into the right-hander. Um, so the, the last couple of corners were wild, but in the end, it was a two-tenths of a second victory for Hodgson. Yeah, Turney second, Norberg third, Alessandro de Tulio in fourth, Diego Ramos with another top five finish for him. So kind of a good uh, weekend for Ramos and Burrell Art because they had, you know, four top five finishes on the weekend in this yeah. category alone. But And then Turney was the hard charger of the race, 13 spots, 15th to second. What happened in the pre-final? So we didn't mention that in the pre-final. So in, in the pre-final, he, he, he they were badly coming out of turn number one, and we saw a lot of guys – get used up there were, if you were on the inside uh a lot of guys would just kind of track out to the outside of the track and we saw a bunch of guys dropping wheels or going four wheels off on the outside of one uh <laughs> turning went off so much we saw the underside of the go-kart let's put it that way he was up Ouch. i thought i thought he was going over you know you could see the seat we could see the, the the floor pan it was like this guy's going over he came back down lost a bunch of spots and kind of caught himself back up a little bit but ended up 15th um, but you know, again, very basic, you know, standard Joe Turney. Doesn't matter where you start, he's coming forward. Uh, and and worked, yeah, you know, he worked forward really quickly. Like I said, was 
in the middle of a three-car battle mid-race. Like he, I want to say he was eighth after the first lap because I, if, if I recall, he was very happy to start on Seventh. the inside. He, he, okay, there you go. He started on the inside of, of the of the start line, fifteenth, right? The inside row, not the outside row. We didn't see a lot of guys lead from 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 uh, P two. Yeah, you're on the outside. You got hung out to dry a little bit. So he, uh, of the chaos that happened with guys going off on the outside of the corner, he was able to slot through. And I think he said, go to P7. So he made a lot of passes, uh, a lot of spots on the opening lap, and then methodically worked his way forward to that lead group. Yeah, Norberg up nine positions from uh, 12th. So again, two drivers making their way forward. And Norberg actually had fast lap of the race. So didn't quite use up all the tires in the pre-final no. to, to, uh, to be able to lay down the quickest lap of the main event. And David, tight championship battle right now, you know, with th- three races down. It is. You got Joe Turney now as the championship leader, uh, holding a 79-point advantage over Mateus Morgado. So uh, the world champion there sitting in second after leaving Orlando as a championship leader. Uh, Diego Ramos, I said, with the two top five finishes, that puts him in the third spot in the standings, only 100 points back. Norine Norberg now fourth, uh, 126 points out of first, and then Harley Keeble. 195 194 points back in fifth spot but again it's best five out of six norberg has a d the dnf turney has a dnf and they both have three podium finishes so anything's possible (laughs) you never know this newcastle is going to be setting up for a nice one and the thing about turney is is we won't know probably until after this weekend if he'll be at the uh, summer nationals or not because European Championship is scheduled on the same weekend. So uh, that's kind of up in the air right now and to, if Cherney will be, in fact, at Newcastle or not. All right, let's go to the next one. David Pro Shifter presented by PSL Carding. Headline, Gulick doubles up for career first. Would you have thought that was going to happen? Would you have thought you were reading that headline coming into Utah? Not a, no, not necessarily. But I, you know, you knew you knew. As I mentioned in the outlap, Kyle Wick was the only other driver to beat AJ Myers in Utah over the last two years. So GFC, we knew was going to be part of the battle. I just didn't, I didn't put it up to be uh, Jacob Gulick. No. Yeah. Again, so AJ Myers not there. So you know, obviously Wick has been quick there, as you had said. Um, but in the end, the GFC drivers uh, and obviously you know they had the extra power, whatever, whatever, whatever they had with the IME KC Screamers. That those engines obviously were rock stars. They were they were everybody was kind of. We talked a lot about gearing, right? Some guys would gear for the straightaway, some would gear for more of the infield. Uh, we we watched guys you know, drive around the outside of Kremers a couple times on the front straightaway to turn number one with the power they have. They had good power, but I will say this as well. We'll dive more into it. But Jacob Gulick, I don't think he put a wheel wrong all weekend. Like I didn't see him drop a wheel. He was just abs. And even when he fell back to third at the start of Sunday's race, which we'll talk about, he didn't flinch. He just went went back forward. It was just a real methodical run for Jacob Gulick. Uh, again, Senevan Walsh ends up starting on the pole in the pre-final, qualifies P1. He actually won the pre-final as well. Uh, it ends up being Gulick with the victory. Then Walsh won it, but I believe he was too wide. I think that was yes, the call. Yes, that with. is the call. Yep, correct. So that, of course, again, if you think about it, I said Senna was super quick, just didn't have really any results to show for it because this put, of course, put him at the very tail of the field and in, in uh, at the tail of the field 19th. So Gulick ends up winning the pre-final. And to be honest, David, he really just started the domination in the main event, literally dropped the whole shot and pulled away. 3.5 seconds was the win for, for Gulick. Didn't put a wheel wrong. And you think about Gulick, where he's been. He's been a top five guy for so many years running with Gary Carlton and that driver development program. And they've been working with Jacob and, and, and Kyle 
everybody into the GFC camp. And this was, I think, just the breakout weekend for Jacob. He was absolutely dominant all weekend long. Um, the battle was the battle to watch was really Kremers and Wick, right? Because Wick was strong in second. Kremers had, would would eat him up a little bit more in the infield. Wick would get him on the straightaways. Um, he just simply couldn't get past. So Wick ends up in in, in second for a, a GFC one two, and Kremers rounding out the podium in third. Really was kind of deflated, if you will, in the in the uh, the paddock afterwards on Saturday night. He was kind of he was praying for rain on Sunday. He figured mm-hmm. that was his only opportunity. Yeah, that that's a tough you know situation when you know you you can be quick, but just not again the 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 racing and the the pace that these guys are putting down is so tight. Like every little bit helps, and oh, so yeah. that that's that's the difference between you know a victory or a third posi- place position. So uh, as you said, Wick over Kremers for the second spot, Hunter Pickett finishing in the fourth position. So again, two Burrell Arts in the top five, and then Senna was able to drive his way up as a hard charger of the yep. race, 14 spots, 19th to fifth and putting down the fast lap of the race. It was just a little bit quicker than what Gulick was able to put down for a fast lap. So he did get those honors uh, for the main event. Yeah. And Gulick kind of, you know, obviously checked up a little bit at the end, not by much. He was a little, maybe two, three, four tenths off his fast lap. Roll into Sunday, and it's a new Scusa well, track. No record. draft, but though. No, <laughs> no by draft. Himself, by himself the whole time, 100%. <laughs> yeah. And listen, the draft played a big role, obviously, bringing more people into the battle well, on the front straightaway. Th- that's one thing. So something popped up on social media, and that's what I was putting in the paddock pass on our script, but we, we skipped over it. So there's photos of, of and Burrell Art were one of them, putting uh, tape over the fairing opening. Because you know how some of the fairings now have that opening at the bottom yeah. for the airflow. People they were taping over it to get that. a little bit more, you know, maybe what aerodynamic to to get away from that scooping effect. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. So I, I just it was interesting to see that. So people were wondering, well, that's against regulations. Well, tape is not necessarily um, an, any you know regarding bodywork. You know, they're yeah. like, well, that's altering the bodywork. Well, technically, that's not altering the bodywork, is it? I mean. No. When you put tape, it's no different than putting tape over a radiator. It's just tape. Yeah, agreed. That's that's something that somebody will look at for sure. I would think. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, we've we've done it in road racing many times. Where you know that that opening between the fairing and the nose piece, you tape it down so that way it doesn't. You know, it it helps the air go over cleaner and doesn't yeah. disturb it as much. I got, I'm going to go back and look at some pictures when we're done here. <laughs> I yeah. didn't see that. Good pickup, David. Um, so again, qualifying on Sunday. Uh, Jacob Gulick lays down a new Scusa record with a 54.873. He ends up winning the pre-final going away as well. But here's how things kind of play out with the main event. So we'll talk more about it. Rain did come during the end of the KA100 senior race. Time's dropping off like four seconds. We'll get down to that in a couple seconds here. Right after them was the mini swift category. And this is one of the best storylines of the weekend because the track was dry. Even at the end of the, the race for KA100, the guys were still pretty quick in the, in the, uh, in the uh, the slicks, but we did have a lightning break and it rained quite a bit during, but not not super hard. So it's not like there was any standing water. It was, it was just a damp track. So in the mini swifts, which we'll talk about, some drivers stayed on the rains, others went on the dries, and of course the dries got good at the end of that run. Uh, but what it kind of played out to was the the track was still damp in areas. Uh, there was a racing line that was dry, David, but the inside start line uh, start lane uh, was damp. So Gulick qualifying on pole did not get the advantage because he started essentially on the wet surface um, and just kind of spun the tires when he got rolling. So both Wick and Kremers were able to get by. So even though he was P1, 
the, the moisture did not help Gulick at all, which is, which is tough. He ended up slotting back into P3. Yeah, that's the challenge of, you know, standing starts mm-hmm. and even rolling starts. You know, you're rolling through the wetness uh, and, it, and it's not going to help you in terms of getting into turn one as best as you want, especially on a drying racetrack. So, yeah, I mean, that's part of it. You know, whether, you know, we we want drivers to select where they start, maybe that's an option. But I I don't think it'll ever happen in Carton. <laughs> My my aging mind is trying to tell me that I think Kremers may have got by Wick at one point to take over yeah. the lead. He did, yeah, yeah. Oh, and to then, take over the lead. I know. Uh, I no. think he no. All right. Well, okay. not 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 on the not by the line. They so were Wick, they were bat. Let's just put it this way: they were they were yeah. on top of each other for sure. I'd have to go back and watch the, the coverage of that one. The bottom line is is Gulick kind of got rolling, settled back in, and again th- this was this was the you know the continuation of the momentum and the confidence for Jacob Gulick, even though he fell back to third. He could have said, man, I got, you know, no, he just settled in, put his head down, passed both guys, went back to the lead, and it was a 1.4 second victory again for Gulick. Just an impressive run for him. Uh, again, he was out front, Wick and Kremers in the middle of this great battle. Senna Van Walshen actually had a good run. He was right there behind uh, Wick and Kremers as well. And I'll tell you who was right there as well. 34-year-old Nick Leduc was right there, P5, and was literally essentially pushing Van Walshen around. And I'd, I'd spoke with Nick after the race and he was so pumped with, with being able to just have Senna in the paddock with them. Uh, he said he, he, he learned a ton. They were setting the card up a little different the way he's been setting up the Sodi, a little different approach. Uh, you know, the ideology wise from the guys from, from France and the Sodi cart factory team. So Leduc just said he'd learned a ton. So I think he would have been happy coming in with a P five. Uh, Van Walsh eventually though retired, had a break issue. So I, I believe it was the left front break had something go on. So he retired that moved Nick LaDuke up into fourth, which is, I think just a fantastic run. And again, David, we've, you and I've watched Nick race for a lot of years. I talked to Ronnie White on, on Friday, uh, when I got to the track and he's like, no, Nick is super fast. We're, I think we're, we're I think we can go for a podium. And I'm like, okay, listen, there's 19 guys. <laughs> it's Ron White talking, right? And we keep it real, right? I'm like, yeah. listen, if, 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 if Nick's running top 10 out of a field of 19, yeah, that's awesome, man. He's he's 30-something years old. You know, it's good, you know, awesome. But he was literally in the top 10, 8th, 7th, 8th, and then dialed things up for the main. I, I was super impressed with Nick, and, and good for him. Of course, he's got the Carding Collective team that has been a Sodi Kart team for the last couple of years, this kind of big push from Sodi Kart to come over to really kind of support the American market. Nick LaDuke and Cardi Collective is going to be an operation that's going to really benefit from it at Sonoma. Uh, but for him to be able to do what he did, I was I was super pumped for Nick LaDuke. Well, it, and it helps too because, you know, you say, oh, Nick LaDuke, you used to be somebody, right? And then you, he goes out and puts it top five at a Scusa Pro Tour race. Well, now you're like, oh, maybe I can learn from this guy because he does know what he's doing. You know, no different than what we've seen Ron White do before in the past or, or Phil Giebler, you know, some of those... Yeah guys who have shined in 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 the early years of our you know journalistic career yeah nick, nick now, was a nick was a guy that could win any race he rolled out to right he, exactly you know right? pro tour, he so, is a former pro tour pro winner, winner. Yeah. exactly that yeah so again now 34 years old team owner everything they do with the carding collective but again to be able to get in there and with a cart that was good and learn a bunch of stuff off the guys that were there and he'll take all that knowledge of course back to sonoma so just a great run for nick leduc Danny Formal ends up in the in the fifth spot, kind of salvaging a weekend, David. Back at Orlando, blew a motor on the stand, wasn't able to run the second race after winning on Saturday. He blew a motor again uh, on, I believe, Saturday uh, and just did not have a good week. Saturday was dismal for Danny Formal. 
and uh, and even listen, Sunday wasn't fantastic, but he was able to be in the hunt and uh, end up finishing P five. Yeah, as you said, kind of salvaged a, a, a poor weekend to at least get a top five finish out of out of the weekend. But you know, in terms of championship, you know, he had a DNF in or in Orlando, so another DNF on Saturday here in Utah essentially takes him out of the championship yeah, chase yeah, yeah. because now that is going to be led by Jacob Gulick, who leads the championship now by forty three points over Martin Kremers with Kyle Wick sitting third, fifty four points back. Kyle, uh, Billy Musgrave. Didn't finish top five on the weekend, so he's he's sitting now fourth overall, 105 points out of first with Hunter Pickett in the fifth position. Uh, and a shout out to Philip uh, Nimkowitz as well, uh, hard charger in the Sunday main event, 18th to eighth. And I think he may have got the. Did he get the fast lap, Dave? I know you did got not. The result. No, did not get it the fast. How lap. close? How close is it? Because I know at one two point, tenths. <laughs> yeah, at, at one point he had the fast lap. Somebody else okay. laid one down at the end. But at one point, because I remember Alexander, I go, man, Nimkowitz is rolling. In the Burlington. Yeah, so, he, yeah, he was quick early, early on. So uh, had a good good cart for the wet session. <laughs> and then yeah. as the track dried out, it didn't quite it uh, stay pace. All right. So Jacob Gulick, of course, with those two big wins, a sweep of the weekend, max points. He ends up uh, with the uh, point lead heading to Newcastle in July. Let's move now to KA100 Senior presented by Nash Motorsports to cap off this first segment of the race report. And the headline for this division, Lloyd and Keeble go 1-2 both days. Uh, the headline could have been wild racing as well, <laughs> because dude, it was just, the front packs were flipping awesome. They were going back and forth over undering each other. Uh, the end of the back straightaway, as you kind of come through the bus stop and then do the little right, left chicane and then into the hairpin, right? I think we were calling turn 11 or turn 12, then back to 13, which is the left-hander. That was where all the excitement was, right? Mm-hmm. Big runs, big runs down into one, the over unders in one, but man, everything happened over in 12 and 13 mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, Colin Loy, of course, one of the drivers we're seeing emerge as you know, one of the top KA100 senior drivers in the country. He ends up qualifying on pole. Peyton Phillips, who's a Winter Series champion, was in the hunt as well. He wins and, the pre-final. And, and Lloyd, not on the cart we saw him before. We could throw that out there as well. Yeah, yeah Magic, let's just yeah. say that right away. Yeah, Running with, running with Magic Cart USA to start the season. Um, I had talked to A.J. Myers, asked him if he was, you know, I said, hey, I'll see you at, at Utah. Uh, I think I, I think I wished him a happy birthday. And he's like, no, we're not going to Utah. I didn't have enough, uh, you know, an interest from our drivers. So, uh, okay, you're not going to be there. Well, Colin Lloyd ends up running with Speed Concepts Racing, Mike Speed and his crew on a red speed. And as he said after the day, just was super comfortable with the cart, picked it up immediately, and away they went. So, yeah, so on the, uh, with a different team on a different chassis, coming out of the gate and essentially showing the same thing he did down in Florida. Yeah, and again, he's re- driven OTK products before, yeah, so the move time. to Magic was something newer that he's done at the beginning of the year. So, so OTK, no stranger to Colin Lloyd. So that that was a, kind of very interesting when I saw the photo because I'm like, what what is he doing on yeah. on Speed Concepts? What's <laughs> right? going on? I, I thought the entry list was wrong, but I guess it was correct. So and the, uh, and one, I'll, I'll give this to Colin. He's one of those helmets I'm able to pick out. Right, the helmet's a little different color. Yeah. So it's, it helps me pick that out for sure when we're calling the races because. In this race, it was kind of a three-driver fight up front. Colin Lloyd, uh, Peyton Phillips, and Harley Keeble were the, were the lead guys. And they were kind of going back and forth. There was a pretty big gap to Noah Rosser, who had worked his way up to fourth. And shout out to Rosser, first and foremost, because he didn't he wasn't good in happy hour on Friday, so he had to qualify both days through the slow group. Um, and for him to be able to come up where he was, P4, just a tremendous run for Noah. Uh, so it, it ends up being the three guys battling it out, as we said. So final lap, final lap, talk about 13. So again, out of 12, the right-hand hairpin. 
Uh, it's Phillips and Keeble. They go, I think Keeble was in the lead. Phillips was second. They go hard. You know, Phillips is trying to find a way by coming into the left-hand turn 13. Collins right there. He had let, I think he had started the lead. I think that Phillips and Keeble pushed by, uh, by Lloyd in the hairpin turn 12. So they come down into 13. Of course, they're going hard. Phillips is in the back of Keeble a little bit. They push wide. And for not the, you know, we saw it a bunch of times on the weekend. Big wide over under for Lloyd. He is able to come out with the lead. Um, and of course, the lead. And then he ends up cruising to a win, right? 1.3 seconds at the line. Keeble and Phillips are battling it out like crazy. In the end, Keeble was able to get away from the from the uh, left-hander, but Phillips was super slow getting going. Like, he really bogged right down. That allowed Noah Rosser to kind of come through and grab third and beat him coming out of the line P3. Uh, but sadly for Noah, he ends up being, I, I, when I talked to him, I think it was like an eighth of an inch wide at the scales. Mm-hmm. And so, two wides, too wide, right? Just like yep. uh, I mean, uh, Jump says, <laughs> it doesn't matter how, right? It's, uh, yep. It doesn't matter how more wide you are, you are. Um, so, Ross ends up getting DQ'd, and that gives Phillips back into the third spot. Yeah, and then you put Josh Campbell into the fourth position, who I was going to say was going to be there, and he did. Ended yep. up finishing in the fourth spot. And then Ar- Arden Lytle, the uh, the Utah driver for the uh, Scuderia Lytle Littell. Uh, team. Littell, sorry. Littell, that's all right. Uh, yeah, er, 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 the, go. I would say finishing in the fifth spot. So re- I, I don't think he was the substitute driver for Austin Versteeg. I think he was already going to be in the in the field already. So, uh, but it, good, good to see. We always had that was one thing when the KA first started. We always had local drivers winning. So you got to still got to have the local contingent there uh, uh, showing showing face at Utah. And how great is that for Ayrton Littell, right? They've got Scuderia Littell. They are a cart shop right at the track. They work out of the garages there. Obviously, a huge weekend for them, right? They're GFC dealers. They get Gary Carlton and the whole crew coming in. They're kind of playing host everybody out of the garages. And for Ayrton to, to be there to get P5, I'm like, that was, for me, that was one of the cool stories all weekend for KA100 Senior. For sure. No doubt about that. Let me let me throw the other one in here for you, Dave. We'll go to hard charger yeah. for a second because this is a kind of a feel-good bit as well. And so let's, I'm becoming more and more of a Peyton Phillips fan over the last couple of years. Obviously, a big championship uh, shows the emotion, you know, when he won the championship at the Scusa Winter Series. But so he ends up getting third. We do the podium presentation. He drags Noah Rosser up on the podium with him. And then when they leave the podium, gives his third place trophy to Rosser and won't let him give it back, which I thought was such a class move. Yeah, very good sportsmanship. Again, you know, it I mean, what's what's an eighth of an inch? You know, we've always talked yeah. about that. You know, that yeah. you know, certain penalties, you know, okay, maybe that's a five position penalty. Does it really need to put you all the way to the back of the field? Good point. Um, you know, that there's certain penalties like we've talked about, you know, spark plug washers or you know, this and that, you know, but yeah, see, no, way... you're not gonna get me on spark plug washers. I know, but it's still that whole, you know, doesn't that's really... a DQ. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh but but uh, I'm with I'm with you on the on the. I win. mean, it was the emotion of the spark plug. I mean, come on, it it really didn't. Anyway, but uh, yeah, great to see, great to see the sportsmanship uh, done there by by Peyton Phillips. Yeah, Evan Concepcion, uh, a hard charger, started back in 32nd, local driver on ITEL cart, up 24 spots, and I think at one point I think he might have had the fast lap of the race as well. Uh, did Concepcion fast did, lap yeah. of the race? Yeah. yeah, up to eighth position. Great job for Evan there for sure. Uh, on Sunday, out of the gate, Harley Keeble right there again. Fast driver in qualifying. Wins the pre-final as well. And I'll tell you, this is where things got really exciting. Because we had essentially the same guys in the lead fight, Keeble, Lloyd, and Phillips. 
but the rain started falling, David. It was kind of coming in a little bit, a little more aggressive uh, near the, the kind of end of it. The times were falling down. I want to say we were about three or four seconds off the fast lap of the race by the time it kind of got pretty moist there. Um, and, but the guys, of course, started racing, right? <laughs> it, it would have been a three-driver fight, but they were defending like crazy into one, into 12, running the low line into 13, and that brought everybody back into the fight. And I, I mean everybody. I want to say there might have been 10 drivers, I think, that were all in that lead group kind of coming into the final corner. Yeah, it looks about that looking yeah. at the results. <laughs> Dude, it was, so Keeble makes a move on the inside of turn one to take the lead in the final lap. Uh, I want to say Phillips may have dropped the wheel, but everything, so everything stacks up coming through 13. Keeble's able to come out cleanly, but behind them, it's literally three wide. Like Keeble comes out of the corner of 13, right? You know, the left-hander coming in there through the S's that lead into the final comp, the complex. It's three wide. Everybody's all over the place. Um, you know, guys are going into the, into the right-hander that leads into the last complex. They're pushing wide, driving into each other. And so Keeble gets through. So does Lloyd. It's kind of a drag race to the line between those drivers. The guy who gets the big comeback because he had a horrible day. Got a, he got taken out in qualifying on Saturday. Actually, a little takeout on like the opening lap of qualifying. Aiden Levy on the Alonso car ends up going underneath everybody. Like all these guys push wide. Levy comes underneath. He's the first guy you know, to the double right that leads back over uh, to the left-hander onto the straightaway. Aiden Levy, huge recover. He ends up coming home in third. Uh, other drivers capitalizing as well were Zach Meyer from deep in the field and Finnegan Bailiff as well ends up finishing in fifth. Yeah, so it was a 91 thousandths of a second at the line between Keeble and Lloyd for the victory. So those two drivers finishing one, two, except in opposite positions this time around. As you said, Levy uh, caps off the podium in the third spot. So another local driver was Zach Meyer, another Utah driver uh, in the top five with Finnegan Bailiff picking up uh, fifth position. Uh, and then Meyer ended up getting the hard charger of the race, 17 yeah. spots, 22nd to fifth. So good. Again, capitalize when you can. And that's exactly like you said, the top what top. Oh, my gosh. The top 19 drivers finished within five seconds. That's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, you, you could you could go you could go back to 23rd within 10 within nine seconds. It just stacked everybody up like, like those yeah. guys. Well, that's what strong. rain will do, right? It a little was, bit yeah. of dampness. You know, you, your paces slow down. Everybody kind of bottlenecks up. It was good. It was good. All right. So That's points. Exciting. Let's have a look at the points right now because this really shakes things up in the points as well. Yeah, without a doubt. So it puts uh, Colin Lloyd in the championship championship lead by 30 points over Aiden Levy. Uh, Josh Campbell in the third position ahead of Henry Wheeler and Braden Robertson in the fifth position. But really, it boils down to Levy and Lloyd yeah. uh, within 30 points. Campbell's back by 152. So uh, Campbell's going to have to pull off some uh, victories in Newcastle in order to put himself in the fight. All right, we're working our way through the race report of episode number 113 of our debrief, talking about the Supercarts USA Spring Nats. When we come back after this break, we'll go X30 Junior, KA100 Junior, and Master Shifter. It's a multi-time world champion, and it's a Supercarts USA Super Nationals winner. It is Sodicart. And starting in 2023, the Sodi brand has found a new home here in the U.S. Sodi Racing USA is the new exclusive importer of the Sodi Kart chassis line under the karting distribution banner, led by industry veteran Terry Germanovich. The French manufacturer Sodi Kart is a leader within the karting industry, offering a wide range of products and services. The Sodi Racing chassis line offers product in classes from mini 
to KZ, all based on years of development and championship seasons around the world. Sony Racing USA has already begun establishing its dealer network, working with the Karting Collective on the West Coast, and recently signing PK Sport to serve as a dealer and the official race team on the East Coast. Visit Sodi-Racing-USA.com to learn more about the Sodi Kart chassis line or call 954-634-5111 to become part of the Sodi Racing USA network today. Sodi Kart, the world leader in the karting industry. Powered by technology, DID racing chains have a worldwide reputation for superior quality and reliability. Meticulously engineered and manufactured in Japan, DID Genuine Parts are the world's number one original parts supplier for Japanese and European motorcycle manufacturers. A rich racing tradition where results speak for themselves, DID prides itself on engineering the most technologically advanced chains on the market to help you excel on and off the track. DID's SDH pin treatment creates an extremely hard chromium carbide layer on the pin surface that houses a soft inner core to absorb extreme shock loads. DID's 219 HTZ racing chain boasts this SDH pin technology, which leads to longer chain life as well as excellent energy transmission to the wheels. Available in the gorgeous gold, the 219 HTZ is the ultimate racing kart chain. Pick up a DID chain at your local dealer today, because when winning is the only thing that matters, go with DID. Acceleration Kart Racing is your first and only stop on the internet for carts, parts, and the safety gear you need to get you on the track. Visit shopakr.com for a great selection of karting equipment on a user-friendly website. Acceleration Kart Racing has aligned itself with many of the top manufacturers and distributors of the sport to ensure all the latest equipment is available to you, the racer. With over 20 years in business and customer support available six days a week, you can be confident about getting the right parts at the right price when you need them. Be sure to visit shopakr.com today or stop by their headquarters in Las Vegas. Make sure to follow Acceleration Kart Racing on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest specials and new arrivals. Welcome back to episode 113 of our EKN Debrief, brought to you, the race report here, brought to you by Skip Barber, the whole show brought to you by Comet Cart Sales. Getting ready to head into our uh, junior categories right now. Uh, again, X30 Junior, K100 Junior, and we'll wrap it up with the Master Shifter class. David, let's get things underway. X30 Junior presented by the Rawlson Performance Group. And the headline for this division, RPG continues win streak with Taylor and Rivera. Yeah, I think obviously one of the stories to, to, to start first and foremost was the fact we only had 13 drivers in the field. But even so, we had such good quality drivers up front. And, and again, really, it was kind of like this four, five, six driver pack up front for a majority of the weekend. And, and I think probably anybody probably could have won the thing, to be honest. Uh, Ernesto Rivera came out of the gate strongly, qualifies on pole. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think maybe he and Taylor, his teammate Taylor, got together in the pre-final uh, a little bit, and that that gave Taylor the, the, the pre-final win. But the main event battle was pretty good. Uh, Taylor, it was kind of Taylor, Anthony Martella, 
from uh, Speed Concepts Racing on the Red Speed and Rivera. They were kind of the guys that were battling it out uh, up front. Uh, and in the end, it was actually, you know, so Taylor led, led the way um, and it looked like it was going to be one of, you know, those three guys were going to be on the podium. But as they came over to, to turn 13 on the uh, the final lap, they come out of turn 12 over to 13. Taylor's got the lead. Martella and Rivera kind of got together. Martella was kind of on the inside in third. Rivera, I think, was potentially trying to come across a little bit, you know, kind of maybe pinch a bit. And again, this is just me going in my head. You can go back. We had the camera right on it for car chase. You can see the whole thing. Martella climbed up on the back of Rivera. They skidded off to the right side of the racetrack. Taylor cruises to the win. Jackson Woolney wasn't far back there in fourth. He was actually closing up quite a bit and would lose. And he ends up getting a little bit of a gift, moving him up to fourth. And Nathan Dupuy as well on the red speed for Speed Concepts Racing. What a great opportunity for him. He ends up going up on the podium. It was, it was a good run. Those guys were, you know, they were there. They were in fourth and fifth. A couple of guys get together and that fourth and fifth ends up becoming podium second and podium third. Yeah, and it was only 53 thousandths of a second at the line. So Woolney nearly picking up his first Pro Tour victory there as well. So uh, it's never over till you get to that no, checkered flag. Uh, Stephen, as we said, Stephen Miller in the fourth position, Alex Mercado in the fifth spot. So you got uh, two Cosmics, two Red Speeds, and a Cart Republic in the top five. And then the hard charger of the race was Charlie Smith on the comp cart for Nash Motorsports. Up seven spots from 13th to 6th. There you go. Uh, Rivera, very quick on Sunday again. Showed good pace. Uh, qual- actually ended up sweeping all the sessions. Qualified on the pole. Won the pre-final. And in the, in the end, all that great racing we saw, you know, the wild stuff at the end of the main event on Saturday, it was not to be on Sunday. That The field separated pretty quickly. And in the end, there was a big gap between everybody. Rivera ends up winning over Anthony Martello by 3.3 seconds. Uh, Jensen Burnett was right there running the DAT for Chad Dockin Racing. Uh, he was kind of all by himself in third and overall pretty solid weekend for Jensen Burnett. Wolney and Taylor for uh, RPG there, fourth and fifth again. Yeah, so very familiar top fives both days and uh, familiar winners yeah. both days as well. Yeah. The hard charger on Sunday was Alex Mercado uh, up seven spots from 13th to 6th. So very similar performance as he uh, duplicated what Charlie Smith did on Saturday. Uh, and that sets up the championship chase as a tight one between the top two drivers who uh, have two wins apiece. Rivera leading by over by 11 points over Taylor. Uh, heading into the spring nationals, you have Woolney in third, Miller in fourth, and Martella in the fifth position. All right, let's go to KA100 Junior, presented by Greyhound Racing Seats. And the headline for this category: big victories for Adams and Vidmontian. So, so I'll just throw this out here before we kind of go through it: forty laps of main event racing. They only needed to do two. <laughs> the, the, the last lap in both races, all that matters. To be honest, That's- we were just waiting. <laughs> waiting i mean that it's that's good that's exactly what you it want it's like it's well. like a chess game you're waiting for checkmate oh yeah right? yeah yeah uh, alex rentala qualifying on the pole stephen miller as we know so good in the ka 100 junior class wins the pre-final again we don't have to worry about everything that happened for 19 laps literally yep. literally we had a six cart lead group to start the final lap uh rivera kaminsky miller was kind of one two three um, I'll say this truly Adams driving the factory cart, uh, had made a real, he was, I want to say he was six with a couple laps to go, did a really solid over under same one we're talking about in turn 13. We've seen a, a couple of times, you know, drivers in front of him working together, pushing a little wide, he over under and got himself to fourth. And that really, uh, we talk, we'll talk about the move he made for the win, but that move got him into P4, right? Had he not made that move and was kind of hanging back there, he wouldn't have been able to do what he did. So he's P4. 
Rivera, Kaminsky, and Miller rolling their way down the back straight through the chicane over to the hairpin. Rivera leads. In comes Kaminsky, was running second. Keegan was really good all weekend long for the GFC. So shout out to Keegan. He doesn't come to, uh, come away with a race win, uh, but he does get a couple of top fives and one podium. Makes a move to the inside. Miller comes with them. They kind of push a bit wide. Obviously, Rivera trying to go over under. They all push wide. Rivera, I think, was kind of hung up to dry on the outside. It was truly who did the full over under. He ends up leading coming out of turn number 12. Over to 13, no one able to, and he got through 13 cleanly, although they kind of got around side him a little bit. He ends up getting out of that corner. Chaos ensues behind him as everybody's got elbows up trying to grab the final couple positions. And in the end, coming out of the corners, and again, like it ends up being a half a second at the line. It, it was a lot closer than that, but uh, as they came out of the corners, but truly Adams gets the win for factory carts. You know, we could talk about Billy Musgrave winning his own, on his own shifter cart, but when you're a guy like Billy Musgrave in factory carts and you're building cadets and you're building, you know, 100cc carts to be able to win not just in your shifter, but in that 100cc was huge for that team. And truly, Adams ends up winning with two beautiful moves to go from sixth to fourth and fourth to first. Yeah, big victory for Adams with Rivera clocking in in second, Max Taylor joining them on the podium in third. Kaminsky, as you said, picking up a top five finish, finishing in fourth with Stephen Miller in the fifth position. To, uh, yeah. Hard charger of the race was Peyton Anderson on the LN racing cart. Nine spots, only uh, 38th to 29th. There you go. Uh, you look at for Sunday, Keegan Kaminsky. I mentioned how good he was on the weekend. Actually, was the fastest driver in qualifying. We haven't really talked about qualifying that much, David. With the long, long laps, you know, anywhere from 55 to like a minute and six seconds, it was literally three laps in the qualifying session, which I, I love. I hate it when it's this big, long one run where you're driving around. It was like literally go out, get the tires warm, knock a lap down, and then get a, get a flyer. And so I just thought it put a lot of pressure on the drivers, which I really like. Kaminsky qualifies on pole. Miller again winning the prefinal to start on the pole position. But again, let's just fast forward through all the, the guys kind of cruising <laughs> around for 19 laps. Because again, a six drivers in the, in the last lap pack. Rivera back out front. Uh, Taylor, So Taylor, I think, was back in like fifth of that group of six. He tried to do a big outside run in turn one and had got a couple of guys and kind of closed up around the outside of, of um, Turner Brown. But Turner, of course, has no idea he's kind of coming there and Turner's tracking out and Taylor ended up going off the track. So even though it didn't work, shout out to Max Taylor to, to, to give a shot at it. Um, in the end, back in turn 13, same thing once again. It is Rivera and Miller. They're side by side. They push wide on the exit. Same thing, but this time in 13. And it was en Enzo Vidmontien on the Cart Republic for Motaz Sport. Beautiful over-under. He takes the lead coming out of the corner. And really, at that point, kind of crucials through the final couple of corners. And the, the win, not surprising, is over a second, 1.153, because these two primary combatants all year long, Miller and Rivera. Miller's on the inside coming through the, you know, the, the, the right-left combo to come back on the straightaway. Miller comes through. He kind of pushes wide coming through that penultimate corner. And he and Rivera way off the track. Miller's able to come back. Rivera's got to cut the, cut the track across the gravel. And, and Dave, you know when you lose when you do that, you lose so much momentum on the run to the line. Rivera probably could have got third, but he ends up with fifth. Yeah, a tough tough break for Rivera. But again, you know, it, it goes to show me you don't want to be leading on the last lap in K100 Junior. No, <laughs> at all. Uh, so that that's uh, yeah. Miller Miller came across Miller came across the line with second, but I think it was a I think he got a jump start penalty. And moving him back. Uh, ended up Miller ended up finishing in seventh. Let me yeah. double check on the penalty. Uh, jump start. Yep, three yeah. seconds. Yeah. Uh, Max Taylor ended up finishing in twenty second. 
Uh, also picking up a three second penalty for pushback bumper. So lost all those positions and then ended up finishing 22nd. So yeah, yeah a, a tough gamble for him to go around the outside and try to pull off the cool trickle move. Yeah, so Kaminsky ends up getting in second with the penalty to Miller. Victor DeAllencar was kind of in the back there watching the Nash Motorsports driver, and he obviously kind of came through and was able to get around when when uh, I, I want to say Brown got shuffled up pretty good and obviously Rivera off track. So DeAllencar ends up with the win. Brown in second and Rivera rounding up the top three. Max Altman with the uh, hard charger started all the way back in 35th and clawed his way up over 19 laps or 20 laps to 16th. So essentially, uh, essentially a car lap for Max Altman. Yeah, and really the top 16 are separated by just under eight seconds. So, again, close racing uh, in this category uh, in Utah. Uh, Stephen Miller, we talked about this in the outlap. If he had a decent weekend, and depending on how the things would shake out, he could be the driver to beat in the championship. Well, he come, he leaves Utah with a 280-point advantage over Alex Mercado. So uh, I would say that's a check mark and and doing a having a good clean weekend for Stephen Miller, even though he didn't pick up, yeah. even though he didn't pick up a victory. Uh, you know, two uh, or a top five finish, and then you know, as we said, seventh. Uh, in the main event on Sunday, but still better than his championship rivals. It was a decent weekend, like you said, right? He didn't get everything he wanted, but it was a decent weekend. We did, Xander Clements and I did uh, comment that he looked like a, just a more relaxed, calmer Stephen Miller, right? Wasn't making some of the dive bomb moves he's made, some of the maybe, you know, the the, the, the lower percentage overtakes. He, mm-hmm. just was re- he was really calm out there. And I think that's going to bode well for the rest of the season for Miller. Again, as you said, a 280-point lead over Alex Mercado heading to the Summer Nationals in July. So, Let's uh, wrap up this segment. Let's go into uh, Master Shifter. David up next, presented by International Motorsports. And the headline, I, I should ask you how to say his name first. It, <laughs> I don't know. Try it. I want to hear it. Uh, two victories. Two victories put Quinones yes. in championship position. Indeed. So uh, five drivers in the Master Shifter class all weekend long. We actually end up losing Ken Schilling. Uh, on Sunday, I think after the pre-final, pulled a muscle on his back. He had had back surgery a couple of years ago. So pulling muscle on his back at sideline, Ken Schilling. So we ended up really with four drivers on the weekend. Uh, the driver who was actually the, the quickest driver on track in both qualifying was Luis, uh, Luis Gauthier for PSL Karting on the Burrell Art. Uh, he qualified on pole. Uh, had trouble, I think, getting off the line in the pre-final. Quinones won that pre-final. And then he was able to do the same thing, got up the pole. I think Gauthier, again, stalled a bit at the line. Kionis ends up going away to the win on that one. Gauthier closed up on him and really pushed him hard at the end of that one. Again, again, the master shifter driver struggling a little bit with tires as well. Kionis on that uh, IAMI 175 SSC on the factory cart machine. Gauthier on the Burrell with the KZTM. So uh, Kionis just able to hold back a, a really relentless Gauthier throughout the race. 65-year-old Michael Gouache, the superstar on the Marinello, ends up in third. And uh, Robert Feige, last year's champion, rounding out the top four. Again, as I said, Gauthier kind of balked the line a bit. Quionia's got the whole shot. And then we had a battle near the end. Just Gauthier just couldn't quite find a way by. And again, quickest on Sunday in qualifying as he was able to lay down the quick lap. But Quinones picked up the pre-final victory. Yeah, another, uh, another bad launch for, for Gauthier again. Yeah. So he struggled getting off the line. But listen, but he didn't then in the in the, in the next race. So, so he got well, it. He figured it yeah. out. So, well, he, yeah. He, yes, he did. He got a great <laughs> launch from P2. Uh, Quinones, I talked to him later. I guess it was an issue with the spark plug boot or something. The, the, okay. the you know the connection. So he, he was struggling. He didn't get off the line. Uh, Guash was able to get there. Uh, Quinones did, did get to third. He held back Fige, 
but I guess he was hit, kind of knocking it with his arm to try to see if he could get it back on. He thought maybe it just popped off or something. So he knocked it back with his arm. And then once they got going, they were fine. So Quinones was eventually able to kind of close up because Gouache was all over uh, Gauthier, who led early. Uh, Gouache pulled off mm-hmm. in the, uh, with two laps into the pre-final. He mm-hmm. got passed. It went back to fourth. Wise move. Why am I going to run around P4, tail the field, and burn my tires up? So he pulls off. So he's got like eight lap newer tires. So he was really good throughout the early part of the race. Gauthier looked strong, but Gauthier started started kind of coming back into Gouache and Quinones because Quinones had caught Gouache. Something happened. I'm not sure. I didn't get exactly what happened to, to, the, to him in terms of mechanical, but he pulled off, I think, lap number nine. So that was it for Gauthier. Gouache then led. Quinones eventually was able to get by uh, near the end of it. Uh, about uh, I want to say it was about five laps to go. Quinones was able to finally make a move to the inside of one, and he was able to get by Gouache, who then held back Fiege to the very final lap, who got by. And in the end, it was Quinones with the win by 2.2 seconds. Robert Fiege on the TV card ends up in second, and Michael Gouache in third. And the funny thing about those top three drivers, all three of them underneath the factory cart tent. Even though they're not all on factory carts, they were all working with <laughs> Billy Musgrave. They were all under the same tent working together uh, throughout the weekend. But uh, yeah, Quionia has a couple of big wins with uh, two more wins for factory cart as well. Uh, they're dialing things in and, and he was very happy with his 175 as well. Yeah. And now he's the championship leader heading yeah. into the series finale as he leads uh, last year's champion, uh, Robert Fige, by 134 points. Uh, gouache now in third and then ken Schilling in fourth all right another commercial break folks when we get back we'll we'll, uh, we'll wrap things up in terms of the race report brought to you by skip barber racing school mini swift and micro swift up next motor mounts they keep your engine attached to your chassis right the answer is they're much more important than that your motor mount is critical in transferring hundred percent of the power from your engine through to your tires and the racetrack you need this to get on the podium each and every time you race. Odenthal Racing Products is here for you, providing the best motor mounts on the karting market today, all designed to make sure you're using all the horsepower you pay for. Odenthal Racing Products is a family-owned and operated business with decades of karting experience in providing products with unmatched quality and value for our racing community. The Pro Series mount for two cycle engines, which is available in zero, five, and eight degree inclinations provides a rigid structure to help keep vibration to a minimum without adding too much weight to your setup. The four cycle easy set system is one of the most popular mounts for the Briggs & Stratton 206 power plant. Multiple mounting holes provide the most adjustability depending on your chassis and seat placement. To ensure a tight fit to your chassis, our ORP wedge clamps get the job done. And they feature a number of design updates to provide a lower profile and lighter weight. The clamps are available from 28mm to 32mm in both standard and Euro-style sizes. And now, Odenthal has also revolutionized the karting industry with its new EasyGP camera mounting system. Designed to mount anywhere on your chassis with one or two cameras, the ORP EasyGP camera mount is your solution to capture that onboard winning moment. Head to OdenthalRacing.com and find a dealer near you. Odenthal Racing Products, proudly made in the USA. For over 20 years, Greg Bell has been building race-winning power for kart racers. One need only look at his team, Leading Edge Motorsports. He's always built engines for his team, and the results have been wins at the biggest races in America, the Scusa Super Nationals and the Rock Vegas events. 
The name on this program, Mega Power. This year alone, Bell and Danny Formell teamed up to sweep the Rock Shifter class on the Florida Winter Tour, all on a Mega Power engine. If you want to win Shifter Kart races, it's time to put Mega Power on your kart. Mega Power specializes in gearbox engines, such as the TMKZ, Rock Shifter, and IME Shifter, but with almost three decades of engine building experience, Bell develops winning motors for X30 and Mini Swift and everything in between. The combination of Greg Bell's engine building skills and his chassis tuning knowledge is a potent mixture. Greg's helped catapult many drivers to wins over the years, including Mercedes F1 star George Russell, who won the Supernats 14 in 2011 with Leading Edge Motorsports. Increase your odds of winning at this year's Rock Vegas or Supernational events or throughout 2023 by calling Greg Bell today at 209-747-2613 to put Mega Power in your corner. Made in the USA. It's not just a statement, it's the mission at Factory Carts of America. Led by four-time Supernats champion Billy Musgrave, Factory Carts manufactures their frames completely in-house at the Riverside, California facility. Built and designed from the ground up specifically for the American karting market, Factory Carts brings new innovations and solutions that are long overdue. Factory Carts bring together the highest quality materials to produce a high-performance, long-lasting cart that has been designed and perfected from three years of development, with a focus for a big push across North America in 2023. No other karting manufacturer stands behind its product like Factory Carts does, providing a two-year warranty on all their frames. Do you remember when American Made meant innovative, original, stronger, faster, and just plain better? Well, American Made is back. Contact Factory Carts today to join the American Made movement. Learn more by visiting factorycarts.com or email Billy anytime at info at factorycarts.com. Final segment of our race report here on episode number thir- uh, 113 of our EKN debrief, the Spring Nationals race report, all part of wrapping up our EKN trackside coverage from the Supercarts USA event, the Pro Tour race in Utah. Uh, David, let's jump into Mini Swift, presented by Avinco Tires. And the headline for Mini Swift, Palacio claims first two Pro Tour victories in class. Yeah, it was not an easy weekend overall for Palacio. It's not like he was the dominant driver all weekend long because there was a lot of guys who really stepped things up throughout the weekend. Uh, Palacio did qualify pole in, in in Saturday qualifying for rate round number three of the tour. Uh, it was Michael McGoy, though, who ends up winning the pre-final, and he was part of a three-driver fight for the win over that 18-lapper. Marco Romero on the Benick was in the scrap as well. Uh, and to start that, that final lap, Palacio was ahead of McGoy and Romero, and we expected some battling, but in the end, uh, Palacio actually able to hold off the challenge. Romero uh, was got kind of the guy attacking from turn number uh, from, from P3. He made a move to the inside of McGoy in the hairpin turn number 12. McGoy slipped back by uh, you know, on the inside of turn 16 to steal second back. But at that point, David, as you know, it happens sometimes. They end up battling for second instead of battling for the race win. And that kind of allowed Palacio to get away. Yeah, that's not the first time we've seen that happen in this year in many. It's just it's almost like, hey, let me get second place ahead and then maybe I can make a move at the end there. But yeah, it's it's that, hey, I'm in third. I need to move to second so I can make a move on first. Well, if you do that on the last lap, you're going to let first place kind of get away. And that's that's always a, a, 
a trouble to try and get the victory. Yeah, there was more battling outside the top three. Uh, Alexis Belarger on, on the Barilla for PSL. A great drive from twenty uh, from 29th, 25-spot improvement up into fourth position. So a good final lap for Belarger on, able to go to P4. And Travis Pettit, who was strong all weekend long, gave it rounded out the top five. Yeah, as you said, Belageron uh, as the hard charger with the advancement of 25 spots moving into Sunday, where Royce Vega put himself uh, on top of the time charts with the uh, quick lap in qualifying. You have it opened up. I don't right now. I, if I'm not mistaken, Benick was super good. Was I think the Troy, Troy Ferguson and and uh, Romero right, were very close to the top of qualifying too, were they? Uh, in qualifying, it was Vega. Ferguson third, Romero go. fourth. Yeah. yeah so yeah, the, the uh, Benick the Benick boys were good. Three in the top five. Three yeah, in the top the four. Yep. Yeah. Palacio ended up winning the pre-final to start on the pole position. So here's how things happened. This was one of the wild parts of this weekend. <laughs> I love so, these ones. <laughs> yeah, me too. So the so the rain started falling a little bit. Um, uh, as we know, through the K one hundred seniors, right? Uh, as it comes in, we end up the storm, the storm's coming in. We could see it coming in. Uh, lightning hits, we end up with a 30-minute lightning break, right? So, of course, everybody pulls back into their paddock. They're figuring out what to do, and it's raining. The track is wet. It's no standing water. But remember, it had been 75 degrees all day, right? So uh, it hits, and how fast is it going to drive? So people are pu- everybody pushes up, essentially, to start. Right? They give the call. We're going to go back racing. Many, many Swifts all push up on wets. Well, as I'm kind of working my way back to the booth, you know, people are saying, hey, what, what, what do we do? A number of people decide they're going to go drives because I think they probably talked to their, you know, maybe their teammates from K100 seniors saying, yeah, we had a lot of grip out there, even though it was wet. So, all right, here we go. We got we, even the front row. So literally <laughs> Palacios on wets and McGoy on the outside um, for RPM is on drives. So we're going to get a really good look, right? Coming out of the gate, how, how, the, how this plays out. Mm-hmm. Guys, guys in the back, Quinto being one of them. I think Belargeron as well might have went on dries as well. But I know Mateo Quinto went on dries for sure. Uh, Belargeron was as well from the very tail of the field. So, again, here we go. Uh, David, opening laps, you know, things get kind of crazy very quickly. And you would love this. The wets were 10 seconds faster at the mm-hmm. start. So, the, the key thing is that 10 seconds faster in an 18-lap race, if Palacio is so fast – He's he he gets to the tail of the field in probably you know ten seconds faster than the fastest guys in the draft. He gets to the tail of the field. Some of these guys who are not great on the on the wets in ten laps. So let's say not let's say seven laps. They start black flagging guys off who are on slicks. So yeah, lap lap three, lap four, lap six. You, go. you got drivers being black flagged off. So the, so again, so it's 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 the concept was or the question was: Are the guys on the drives even going to get a chance to benefit from them getting better? Mm-hmm. Because by the end of the race, they were significantly faster. Now, they were four yes. or five seconds faster by the by the end of the race. But guys like Palacio uh, and and the battle between there was a battle between uh, Ashton Wu and Mateo Quinto and uh, Bronson Kustis. They were all in the fight as well. That, those guys were kind of all in the battle. Palacio had, had given himself a cushion, but the fight for second, third, and fourth was great. Wu, Kustis, Quinto, back and forth. You know, they were over and under, and it was great. Um, but again, it was it was how close can guys like Belageron work his way forward. Quinto was actually on wets from 23rd to third. He wasn't on dries. He, he's deep in the field. He just looks so good on the wets. He was able to work his way forward aggressively past a bunch of guys and got into the fight. So um, just, a, he was one of the fastest drivers, if not the fastest on the, on the wets as, as we got things started. So essentially the battles up front, Palacios got the lead. 
Woon, Kusis, and, and Quinto battle it out for the final spots on the podium. Woon ends up getting second. Uh, Quinto in third. Kusis ends up in fourth. But again, the fun stuff, you know, we kind of looked more at that in the last couple laps, David, was guys like Belageron who were on the on the dries just carving through the field over the last couple of laps. Because they, I, I want to say they were like 8th, uh, maybe 10th, 11th. And then the last two laps, they went, like Belageron ends up going to 5th. He was making, everywhere he could make a move, he could move. But the, the problem was, the racing line was dry still on the outside of the racing line where he had to pass some guys mm-hmm. wasn't. So he had to be really ginger making some passes. Just a, a great run for Belagero. Yeah. You look at the lap chart. He was 15th uh, on lap 11 and then started making his way up and then got into the fifth by there it is, uh, right? in eight yeah. laps. So uh, yeah, that's the interesting part. And then, as you said, Quinto was into the sixth spot on the opening lap starting in 28th. Right. Yeah, so that's amazing. a lot of people who were just not good either on rain tires to begin with or were way off the pace uh, early on in the yeah, tires. I want to shout out a couple, a couple of other guys I think that might have been on the dries, like Mateus Romalho, I think, was on a dry. Anybody? If you look I can at the tell, yeah, I yeah. can tell you yeah. by fast laps. So yeah, you right. got uh, Bal- Bal- I can never say I know, that. That's a tough one. But I, 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 we're saying Belageron. Belageron. Yeah. Uh, Mateus Romalho. Uh, finishing seventh. You have Marco Romero finishing eighth. Uh, Travis Pettit finishing 10th. And then Troy Ferguson, fast lap of the race in 11th. So uh, that was a 106.2 on lap 15. And you look at Palacio's fast lap, which was a 111.5. Yeah. So it ends up being, they were 10 seconds slower at the start and five seconds faster at the end. (laughs) Right. It was great. And then Michael McGoy started on the outside of the front row, struggled early and ended up finishing 13th. So not a great one for Michael McGoy, but all in all, that was just, it was fun to watch. That was pretty Yeah. And I I know the feeling of being out there on rain tires when the track's dry. You do. That's right. You do. I would, I was, I was hoping for it to be the other way. So I could, I could perform like Lucas Palacio and, (laughs) drive away from everybody in the wet weather early on but it didn't happen so uh yeah it's it's tough and especially in the minis you know it's it that's a, that's a lot of time and and, and again sizing it up like you said trying to pass on dry tires well the, the outside of the racetrack yeah. is still wet so you got to time your passes just right so it's it's a challenge but it's a fun challenge david how about the points F- top five drivers within six, 66 points yeah, if you yeah. go, yeah, let me, I'm, I'm pulling that up. If you go, yeah, so that's essentially it because sixth place is 199 points back with Race Vegas. So essentially it's going to be a five driver battle for the championship with Romero leading the way ahead of uh, Tristan Murphy by 10 points, Ashton Woon in third, 26 points out of first. Palacio now into the fourth spot, 65 points out of the first position with uh travis pettit in fifth only 66 points yeah, back that's awesome that's awesome all right let's go to micro swift presented by sody racing usa and the headline for micro swift second on the year for garcias as bergman notches first and uh we got something going on in the main event here that i don't i don't remember ever happening in the you know the what 14 <laughs> years I've, I've announced the scusa pro tour uh, we'll get to that. Maxwell Macha okay. ends up getting the race win uh, in uh, probably uh, qualifying. He, he ends up qualifying on pole on the on the Sodi. Juan Diego Garcia for Orsland Racing uh, ends, uh, wins the pre-final. So we go racing, right? Three-driver lead group at the end. So it's Garcia Macha, and Santiago Diaz de la Vega. So that's, that's the three drivers. Great battle at the end. De La Vega ends up getting the victory. We call it across the line, but in the end, we find it. I didn't even know this. I, I don't even know. I think maybe when I came back, I don't even think we did it on the podium. But literally, 
Diaz de la Vega ends up getting DQ'd from the final results and for being essentially deemed ineligible for the class. They kind of, I think they went, did a little bit more of a deep dive into, into what he's been doing. He, I guess in Mexico, he's been racing in the mini swift class and got, too, because you're, you're, you can do, but he raced too many mini swift races. And so they wouldn't let him, they essentially deemed him ineligible to be running in the micro category. He actually moved to mini swift on Sunday and they DQ'd him from the win. So, Wow. No, I did not know about that. No, I didn't either. That's, uh, yeah, that's something you'd think you'd bring up Thursday at at entry. I don't know. I I don't know the backstory on it. If uh, somebody else said, hey, this guy's not legal or what? The only thing I I can't, I cannot, I cannot believe that it's because of how many races it has. He's raced. I got to believe it has to be an age issue because. Because I don't see anywhere in Scusa rules that says, because there's so many people that are racing junior category races and then run mini the next weekend, because that's the the one they're in the champion. Like, you know, you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like, or junior drivers racing senior at this program, but then they come back and race junior elsewhere. You know, Scusa got rid of that whole situation in the past. So I, well, that's here. something we're going to have to, huh? Yeah. yeah well, I'm saying yeah. that's something we're going to have to look into and, and understand what exactly happened so because it, it, yeah. I got to believe it's, it's an age situation. I don't think it is, Dave. Wow. Yeah. I went back and looked at a text. I don't think it is. So we'll, uh, we'll listen, we'll, we'll learn more about it. We'll get, we'll, we'll get to the bottom of this. Well, I'm, I'm writing it down so that we do that. Good, right. that. good job. Well, I'll, I'll pick it up while you write that down. So Garcia ends up with the win. Uh, on the Parolin, Macha on the Sodi cart second, Liam Nachawadi on a Parolin ends up in third, Bergman, uh, Josh Bergman, who will star on Sunday, ends up in the fourth spot, and Pasha Ali on the Sodi cart uh, coming through to fifth. It was a good recovery there for Pasha. It was kind of tail end of the top 10 for a majority of the day. Uh, the hard charger was Dutch Westbrook on a Tony cart up five spots, started 18th. He ends up 13th, so a good uh, run there for Westbrook. Colton Schneegenberg. Uh, ends up qualifying on the pole, the energy driver, P1 uh, for Sunday. Uh, Garciarse in the pre-final victory to get the pole position for the main event. Uh, and the way this one played out was kind of interesting because it really should have been probably a two-driver battle uh, for the win because Garciarse and Schneegenberg pulled out to a really good lead. Uh, they were essentially out alone, but the driver on the move as they started the battle was Josh Bergman. And we were kind of call, you know, we were calling the, his pace, we are calling the gap and Garcia and Schneegenberg, to be honest, it's not like they were even battling David. It's almost like they were taking turns to see who would be better out front. You know what I mean? There'd be a pass here. Mm-hmm. Garcia mm-hmm. would lead then Schneegenberg would lead kind of a thing. And, and but Bergman was coming and he actually caught the leaders on lap number 18. Schneegenberg goes by with two to go uh, by Garcia. Uh, and Garcia does an over under in turn one on the final lap. So literally here comes uh, on the scene, Bergman kind of watching what's happening. And I'll, you can probably figure this out already. <laughs> so <laughs> Garcia and, and Schneegenberg battling through 12 and 13. And they come out through the S's and Garcia tries to make a move into the right hander that leads into that, you know, the, the double right and the left onto the straightaway. Pushes wide. He gets into Schneegenberg. They push off line. And Josh Bergman sees the opening, tucks it down the inside, pulls out and out of the, fu- the final couple of corners. And right there, Essentially, before you come to the start finish line on the fence is where the Sodi Racing USA tent was. So literally, they see it happening. That you know, you, you know the kind of layout. You can't really see it from there, David. Mm-hmm. Right. Listening to the, us on the PA because they can't really 
it's, it's, it's blocked there, right? Yeah, you're waiting for him to come around the last corner. So, yep. you know, I'm screaming that Bergman's taking the lead. They, he comes onto the front straightaway. The Sodi crew is losing their minds. You know, they're jumping over, high-fiving each other. Uh, that Bergman gets this race win and, and a victory in the in the MicroSwift class. The margin of victory, here's the thing. They come across the line. Bergman's got the lead. Garcia still gets a good run. Bergman starting to already starting to celebrate. <laughs> hand yep. in the air. I got yep. Four thousandths of a second at the uh, line. He like all that celebrating. It's a good thing he didn't try to do any swerving. It was four yeah. second, four four thousandths of a second over Garcia's at the line. Yeah, don't <laughs> celebrate till after you get don't past the line, exactly kids. That. Yeah, exactly so that. yeah, four four thousandths of a second separating the top yeah. two. Schneegenberg in the third position for a podium finish. Uh, Isaac Payne in the fourth spot aboard the Parallel with Grayson Walcott in the Parallel on fifth. In a good run for Isaac Payne as well. He deserved that. He he had a pretty good weekend and deserved a, a top five finish. Grayson Walcott as well. Drew Jensen on the EOS, the uh, hard charger, 17th up into the top 10, finishes 10th. And again, championship not super tight, uh, but still... We got to go to the summer nets to wrap this thing up. Yeah, 52 points separating the top two with Maxwell Macha in the top position of the standings ahead of Garciaris in the second position. Uh, so they'll essentially be the two drivers that'll be uh, kind of deciding it unless uh, chaos happens, which, you know, again, we've never seen a driver yeah. ineligible before in micro. Who knows what's going to happen in Newcastle? So true. So true. Bergman and Schneegenberg are fourth and fifth in points, Nakawadi in third, but again, It'll be Macho versus Garcia, essentially the uh, championship battle when we head to the Summer Nats in July. All right, folks, final break in the action. When we get back to cap off this edition of the debrief, we'll wrap things up. We'll look at the Constructors' Championship, and we'll cap it all off with the EKN Trackside Libraries calendar. If you're a carter in the Lone Star State, make the jump from the club level and race against the best in the country at the Texas Sprint Racing Series. The premier regional kart racing series in Texas is a five-race program in 2023, featuring four different tracks located all over the state. This year's program kicked off at the Speed Sports Racing Park in New Caney, Texas in March with a record turnout. Next up is racing under the lights with a return to the North Texas Kartways in Denton, welcoming the series for night racing over the Memorial Day weekend on May 26th to 28th. The third round of the TSRS travels to the Panhandle and the newly renamed Amarillo Kart Complex on the June 30th to July 2nd weekend. A track new to the series hosts round four as Rimrock Raceway in Odessa is set to make history on August 4th to 6th. The series championships will be decided on the September 15th to 17th weekend as the fifth and final round brings competitors back to the challenging speed sports facility in Houston. Details on the rules and class structure, along with a list of the full championship prize package for the official Supercarts USA and International Kart Federation Series can be found at TexasSprintSeries.com. Ready to step up your game? Joining the Rawlison Performance Group is the obvious choice to take your racing to the next level. Industry-leading driver development is provided by our staff of multi-time national champions, Super Nationals winners, and Team USA members. And at the same time, RPG continues to be a national-level powerhouse race team. Our goal is to help you raise your game and win races. We work with all age groups and are focused on developing those cadet and junior drivers who are ready to take the next step in their racing program. 
Rawls and Performance Group has set a new standard with our in-house engine program, AVP Engines, headed by Alex Vincent. AVP has become the benchmark in IAMI competition. We have the largest OTK inventory that follows our race team, providing trackside parts at all the major events in North America. RPG also offers multilingual support with French, Spanish, and Portuguese-speaking staff. If you want to fight for championships or want to improve your skills and your chances to win, the answer is to call RPG at 503-260-4514. The Rawls Performance Group. We race to win. CRG is one of the most iconic brands in karting, and we're primed and ready for the 2022 season with new material and a never-ending focus on winning. CRG Nordam is the North American distributor for all CRG products. Based outside of Houston, Texas, CRG Nordam supports CRG dealers across the continent, reaching every corner of North America. The CRG KT5 is our new chassis for tag and shifter racing, and it's been designed specifically for the U.S. market. The KT5 features 30mm construction with a 32mm front loop to increase front grip. CRG's new Ven 13 brake system is cutting-edge technology with a master cylinder that allows for pressure regulation within the system. Drivers can customize brake pressure to their own requirements to improve feel and to avoid brake lockup. The cart is finished with new KG 507-508 bodywork that has refined aerodynamics and reduced weight. For cadet drivers, the 2022 CRG Black Mirror is already logging positive results to start the new season. This chassis will be making big waves in 2022. Longtime CRG drivers will be happy to know that the CRG Road Rebel, the standard in quality and performance, is still available. With Force Cycle Racing enjoying consistent growth in North America, CRG's FS4 chassis is the ideal choice for racers in brakes and Stratton competition. From pure racing to karting entertainment, many tracks, both indoor and outdoor, have made the switch to the CRG Centurion rental cart line. Five different models for both gas-powered or electric engines can fit any track's needs for a new rental cart fleet. CRG Nordam has a full inventory of rental carts available for new and existing facilities. For more information on the CRG product line, head to www.cartcrg.com and to inquire about a North American dealer near you, please email us at info at cartcrg-nordam.com. Welcome back to the final segment of this edition of the EKN Debrief, episode 113, as we wrap things up with our race report from the Supercarts USA Pro Tour Spring Nationals from Utah Motorsports Campus, which took place last weekend, uh, June the, what, 9th to the 11th out in Grantsville, Utah. Dave, let's wrap things up. And we kind of wrapped up the entire weekend with a wild windstorm at the end. Um, people were kind of we were kind of walking around, you know, saying hi, chatting at the end of the day. And in the end, the wind just kept coming where people were literally inside their tent full zippers down, holding things down because it, it was pretty, pretty crazy at the end. Not something we've never had before in Utah. We ended up not doing the podiums because it was just crazy. Everybody was kind of holding on to their tent. So they just canceled the podiums. No, and, uh, and it is something we've drugs. had in Utah. No, we talked about that. No, that's what I, was, I was joking. Oh, yeah. The fact, the fact that, okay. yeah, so, yeah, yeah, it's a typical deal for Utah. We're, yes. used, we're used to the wind coming in sooner or later. And right? it always happens at the end of the weekend. That's, that's the strange part. It's, it's almost like it's timed. Yeah, uh, <laughs> weather's predictable, I guess. Like yeah, that, I guess. I guess so uh, I'll, I'll 
Go. I was going to say the, the next topic, rough driving throughout the weekend. Yeah. That's something, you know, that was mentioned in social media and, and earlier in the show. I mean, is it, is it rough driving or is it, is it drivers driving over their heads or is it just aggressiveness that's getting kind of out of hand? Which is it? Yes. Yes. And yes, <laughs> I'm a hundred I'm, I'm percent. Um, uh, there, we, again, with the car chaser coverage, we, we could literally see blatant takeout hip check moves. Like there was just, you know, we, the, the stuff you saw that was just blatant, uh, and it wasn't called, which Xander and I were blown away by some of the stuff that, that wasn't called. There was some literal straight up takeout moves. Um, there also were drivers that were going over the head, throwing, you know, throwing sliders that, that, that just didn't work. And, uh, a, a lot of that, um, after the first day, I, I talked to a bunch of team owners, and of course, you know, when you're watching the coverage on Car Chase, you're just seeing the lead, you know, the battle for the lead normally, right? So, in the in the mid pack, I'm uh, talking to a couple of team owners and parents I talked to. They said that, that the racing was horrible. That there were there were guys that were just they'd root you out of the way, and we mentioned Aiden Levy literally getting taken out in qualifying, like the, the second lap of qualifying. It's just, it's. I don't know what it is right now. I've had to talk with a couple of uh, more people in the industry that the, the racecraft's not getting any better. Scoos has invested so much money in their video program. And, and it's, it was it, for the most part, it, uh, there was some ugly racing out there. There was some really good stuff too. You know, the over-unders were, you know, there was, there was some really good racing up front. I'm not going to say that it was all bad, but there was, there were, we saw stuff and you can, you can go back and watch the broadcast. There was some, there were some really questionable driving tactics tactics in my, in my, in my mind. Well, again, and then that, that that not to dive too deep into it, but the whole licensing program they're talking about doing with Supercars USA and USBKS, if officials aren't calling it, it's not going to be, uh, it's yeah, not going right. to have any effect on it, yeah, true. right? True. I yeah. mean, that's what yeah. it boils down to because if nothing's called, you can't you give somebody a penalty in their license if no penalty has been called. Yeah, and so listen, I, I could I we'll I could go dive back into that there. later. Yeah, it's it definitely something. To go, yeah, that's but that's a really good point, David. If you're gonna if you're gonna have a licensing program, you got to have some calls to be able to to be able to knock people points, right? Dock dock them points or add points or whatever. The, however, they're pro- approaching it. So, uh, bottom line is this: championship contenders have been defined for the series finale. David and I kind of went through the championship uh, points after each uh, category there, and yeah, we we kind of know who's going to be fighting for it. Uh, we've seen guys come from nowhere though as well, come into the finale and maybe dominate the action. Uh, to put themselves in the hunt. Uh, but uh, indeed, David, coming into that, uh, the, the main events uh, of the finale, the Summer Nationals, we're going to have a really good indication of who could be running for number one plates. Yeah, and we'll kind of break down more numbers as we go into the outlap prior to the yeah. Summer Nationals. So look forward for that. So uh, let's have a look at the Constructors Championship, David, because very interesting. Eight brands uh, winning over the 16, and uh, cool to see factory carts up there with three wins. Yeah, three big victories for factory carts, along with Cart Republic picking up three as well. So uh, two for Palacio uh, on the Cart Republic and Joe Turney with the other. Uh, GFC, obviously sweeping Pro Shifter. They're going to pick up two victories there, while Sodi Cart picks up two. So a uh, very unique top four there. But you got to add in Cosmic and Parallel also picking up two victories on the weekend. And then you have Comp Cart and Red Speed with one apiece. Let's wrap things up with the Ecan Trackside Live Race Calendar presented by MG Tires. No matter your compound preference, MG Tires USA has you covered. MG Tires are the official spec tire in the USPKS, Route 66 Sprint Series, Sunshine State Carding Challenge, and countless clubs across the country. Whether it's the medium SH Red, the soft SM Yellow, the super soft green SS, or the intermediate white IZ, 
MG Tires USA has your winning set of rubber in stock. It's MG Tires for the drivers. All right, David Cole, let's have a look at it. Uh, as I see this now on the calendar, these are two races that uh, you'll be by yourself with. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even part of the action here. <laughs> not even no. part of these events. Nope, no. I will be riding, uh, riding solo for EKN. Uh, heading to the Newcastle Motorsports Park, my second home uh, on June 23rd through the 25th for the United States Pro Kart Series Indiana Grand Prix. So rounds five and six for the 10-round championship program. I, do, I, I just had a great idea. Or sorry, round round three. I yeah. forgot. They're only I, doing one main event. I just had a great idea. Yeah. We just we, we just confirmed we now we you and I now eCard News has a garage. We rented a garage at Newcastle mm-hmm. because we're, because mm-hmm. we're going to use it for number one our carts so we can do some so we can get some track days. We'll probably set up mm-hmm. a little bit of a studio in there for interviews, dude. Mm-hmm. I think we should just put like a cot in there for you or something like that. You could just stay there. I don't think that's going to work <laughs> out. <laughs> all right, I thought all right. I thought that'd be a great idea. You just like stay right there. I mean, there. it's not a not a bad place to take a nap. I could put a cooler uh, there for you. We could put a barbecue. You well, know. we should have a fridge in there, period. A fridge yeah, and a, well, and we need look. definitely we definitely need the blackstone to do a little grilling for sure. Yeah, too. there you go. 100%. So we got we got plenty of plenty of options there. So you've got USPKS there, uh, a mm-hmm. track that uh, obviously that, that that's gonna be a fantastic race. The Indiana Grand Prix, you'll be there for full coverage. And then literally, like again, I'm I'm not my next karting event, I think is the summer nationals in July. I've got all my USF pro championship races coming. Uh, I'm kind of loaded up on karting events at the end of the season, right? With Rotax and, uh, and CKNA at, at Newcastle. Then you and I are going to do some more stuff deeper into the, into the, uh, the winter. Uh, but then you got a little bit of a break and you're getting to go to a race that I'm really upset that I'm not going to be able to go to, but uh, it should be a fantastic weekend out in, in Oregon. Yeah, excited to be at the Rock the Park, uh, the special one-off event that Andy Stazman FTK Promotions will be hosting uh, at the Pat's Acres Racing Complex in Canby, Oregon. It'll be July 14th through the 16th, so essentially a barbecue festival oh party God. weekend yeah. uh, to just enjoy, you know, what is the, the Pat's Acres Racing Complex. Uh, you know, a lot of drivers from California coming up to actually race around ra- trees and grass, <laughs> something they're not used to, <laughs> and uh, and enjoy kind of a summer vacation up in Oregon. One of my favorite weekends that we had all last year, go- going it up was, yeah. that event last year. We camped out, we, we, we rented a trailer. I didn't um, enjoy my bed, but uh, aside from that, the, the, the point of camping out at the racetrack, <laughs> I did enjoy. It was kind of a tiny little bunk bed for you, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, like you know, fat guy in a little coat. I was a fat guy in a little bed. So <laughs> no, tall guy, tall guy, tall guy, in a yeah. little bed. Uh, indeed, yeah. Those are the races that are coming up, folks. He can trackside. David will have full coverage as always. Uh, and you guys know kind of our content lineup. We put a lot of content out, race reports throughout the weekend. And I'll give a shout out to uh, Alicia Hodap who gave me a big help uh, help uh, all weekend out at Utah as well. Uh, all right, Dave, that wraps things up, man. Pretty good weekend. Midway through the uh, Supercarts USA Pro Tour, the Spring Nationals in the books of Utah. Big winners, some new winners. Championship uh, hunt getting dialed in. All in all, a good trip out to Utah. Yeah, and again, Summer Nationals coming July 28th through the 30th at Newcastle Motorsports Park. So a great way to wrap up what will be an exciting month of July. All right, folks, we are done. This edition of the EKN Debrief, episode number 113. Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate it. Uh, again, looking forward to the Scusa Summer Nats in July to cap off the Pro Tour. Lots more racing to come and lots more content, more podcasts here at the EKN Radio Network. Thank you so much, folks. On behalf of David Cole, my name's Rob Howden. Bye for now.